0: Welcome to Dev Jams. This is where we discuss exciting, inspiring, innovative projects that developers are developing that are utilizing Cloudinary in interesting ways, whether that's a website, a mobile app or just another project that may not fit into either of those buckets, but still is worth discussing. My name is Sam Brace, and I am the director of customer education for Cloudinary. And joining me for every Dev Jams episode is Becky Peltz, who handles technical instructional design for Cloudinary.
1: Hi Sam, good to talk to you, good to see you. This is a, a great episode. I think it gets us into working on the cloud like we haven't done before. And with Alex, who is a trainer himself, this is a, an opportunity to get a really great explanation of how to take that next step into that world.
0: Absolutely, and Alex, as you said, Our guest for this episode, he's a pretty amazing person because he is definitely someone that knows his subject. He is an Amazon Web Services community builder. So that's essentially think of it as their expert program. He also is a Google developer expert, particularly with Firebase. But he also is someone that has a lot of kindred spirit energy to what me and Becky do when it comes to educating developers, because he runs as a side project. His own site called Coding Cat Dev. And that's where he's teaching people how to use technologies and teaching people the love, the ways to embrace coding and programming. So, what he's done is he's developed a project that is very similar to what he's done for his own work on Coding Cat Dev, showing how to use AWS Amplify to build a full stack app. And also, as a way to do this, to utilize Cloudinary for all of the video delivery parts of that app, which you'll see is kind of like a blog form. And I'm excited to show you all of this because there's a lot to unpackage here.
1: Yeah, and we do go pretty deep. I think he shows us with the CLI how to configure. And the neat thing about this is it takes the front end developer into the full stack world with not having to learn a lot of code. So we're moving into that, you know, low code, no code era where we can just, you know, go in and answer some questions on a CLI and it will build out our database, build out our APIs. And I think this is really exciting and it's worth taking the time to really follow what he's doing. And he's great at explaining it.
0: He really is. And what I also love is of course we mentioned that, you know, he's actively involved with AWS as well as Google Cloud. So if you're ever saying to yourself, wow, I'd love to know all of the different tools, all of the different programs that those companies are providing. We show a lot in there. I mean, between Amplify and AppSync and CloudFormation and all the way down to Firebase and what they're doing with Google Cloud Functions. And there's also a lot where I learned myself some of the things that those tools are capable of doing when it comes to overall web development. So. I think that's where if you've never gone down the rabbit hole of either of those companies' offerings, this is a great place to start.
1: Well, yeah, and his perspective is really good because you get a, he actually goes into a compare and contrast on Google and Amazon for this type of project. So very helpful episode.
0: So let's get to it and let's hear from Alex about his project and how you can use Platinary and AWS Amplify together, and then stick around because me and Becky have a few key takeaways from this episode at the end. Alex, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So Alex, for those that are not familiar with everything that you're doing, can you give us just a quick breakdown of who you are and maybe a little bit about why we're talking to you today?
2: Sure, absolutely. So uh, I'm the founder of CodingCAD Dev, and it's kind of a side project of mine on top of my day job. But... I hope to keep growing it. Some of my background, I, I am an AWS community builder, as well as a Firebase GDE a Google developer expert. So it's just kind of building that, that full front-end slash full-stack developer day by day. And a big part of that is kind of starting to teach others and dive into each subject as we hit it.
1: Yeah. One of the things I like about your philosophy is that anybody can learn to code and... We've talked a little about that.
2: Yeah, I strongly feel as though anyone can learn how to code. It can be very challenging at first to get into it, but there's so much variety that you can get into when we talk about coding. You could just do HTML, you could just focus on JavaScript, you could just be a designer. I think there's a whole career path in just supporting developers even. There's scrum masters. There's just a full gamut that you can get yourself into, which is fantastic as you grow your development career. I think the biggest thing is creating an environment where it supports and kind of enriches users is the key, and that's what we're trying to build at Coding Cat. So people aren't afraid to get into development; they have, you know, skills to start at the very basics and then continue to grow as you grow as a person, as you grow as a developer, and just become more well-rounded. So I'm always excited to uh, mentor people and help people out. It's just it's my passion, so I really enjoy doing it.
1: Well, I think there there have been barriers in the past to getting into this field. And I think that people like you that are developers who can talk about it and explain things can really help with that.
2: I had moments the other day of sitting in my college dorm room, never having written HTML. I was talking with a friend of mine who said, you need to learn it. And I'm like, this is too challenging. I can't do this. And now looking back, I'm like, it's probably the simplest part to all this. And so... Just trying to keep those in mind and uh, what I often do, people from my local college, I went to Grand Valley State University and and lived near that in Michigan. They'll reach out to me and they say, you know, how can I get started? And I just spend a half hour with them trying to build up their portfolios and get them on the right path so that they can be successful and have those discussions of, I was you like 15 years ago or, or whatever time frame that is now. I was sitting there scared and trying to figure out how to make this a career or make this you know a passion of mine and it it will all work out and i'm trying to provide resources for those people to really dive in and get used to it
1: yeah well i think today's talk we're going to get into a lot of really um, cutting edge stuff so that'll be really fun
2: i'm excited for sure
0: let's talk about the project a little bit what are you ultimately building what's this thing that we're talking about today
2: It's an example of how to use AWS Amplify. It's a newer product, even though it's been out there a little while now, they're putting a lot of momentum behind it. And then it also is tying in, which I think is awesome, Cloudinary's image and and video capabilities behind a CDN. So kind of took those two thoughts and wanted to merge them together to show people just what Cloudinary was all about, what AWS is all about, especially with that Amplify side to it. So I'm excited to kind of dive into those parts and pieces for people that haven't experienced it before and show it off. React would definitely help if you have it. If you're an Angular developer, I think you can still understand it, it's that basic.
1: This is interesting because we often ask developers here, what problem were you trying to solve? You know, it's an app. I think yours is you want to show how you can connect all these different services under the AWS umbrella together in a way that is sort of distilled for learning, you know. And almost beyond that, it served
2: a lot as a POC, if you will, for what we're doing in CodingCat. So we actually have a delivery mechanism in CodingCat for our own site that uses Cloudinary as an upload. But well, I just want to show off the Amplify side because I think it's a really interesting technology. There's so many people just getting started in AWS and and kind of learning what it means to have serverless infrastructure and be cloud first that are coming into it now. So I think a lot of Even people coming out of college, they're learning like Python or they're learning a JavaScript or Node.js, but they don't really know what to do with it yet. Like they took all that schooling and they're excited about it. This is kind of like that next step of here's a simple example of how to upload and use cloud first, a static site on the front end of it. And it's super simple and Amplify do a fantastic job of allowing you to be a good developer and simple, like hiding all the complexities that are behind the scenes and they take care of it for you.
0: And let's just step back for a second. Cause when you're talking about Amplify, it seems that it's actually focused much more on people that are front end developers or people that are mobile developers. Is that correct?
2: Absolutely. Correct. Yep. And it takes that back end requirements that you often, if you're not a full stack developer and you are that front end developer it takes the the complexity back out of it for you. So you don't have to know how to go in and actually create a Dynamo database or what a Dynamo database is. All you have to know is, okay, I I have this little bit of syntax in a schema and it's gonna take care of all of that stuff for you. It's gonna set up the API for you and all you have to know, which most front-end developers already know, how do I call an API? And so once you know just a little bit on the Amplify side, it's going to set up uh, AppSync, DynamoDB, authorizations that you require, all just in this very simplified script. Well, script is probably a rough word, but a configuration that sits out there and you're just going to call it as if it was already there for you. And it's a huge leap forward. And I've messed with mobile on and off over the years. I do enjoy writing flutter every now and then, but I'm not an extreme mobile person, so there might be some different viewpoints, but from what I've heard in the community, it's excellent on the mobile side too.
0: And then when you're looking at this in terms of like now that Amplify has created a way to ultimately streamline this full stack situation, then what we're looking at here with the Cloudinary component is where instead of messing around of S3 buckets and loading all of their assets into there, you're utilizing Cloudinary instead.
2: Absolutely. And for this example, maybe it's not hundred percent how you would normally use it, but you're absolutely right as far as the S3 bucket goes. So instead of uploading and using what Amplify would have for uh, storage on their side, we actually just upload directly to Cloudinary. And then we take a reference from Cloudinary and use that in our API just to point to a different spot on the web to pull down that instead of that S3 bucket. So Cloudinary is behind a a CDN, and that's always like the most performant way. It's the closest to the browser itself, the edge, if you will, to be able to pull that back in. And so in this example, we're, we're using videos, but Cloudinary, you can also upload images.
1: Well, you know, the thing too, is that Cloudinary has SDKs for front-end and back-end, but a lot of the power for management especially is gonna be in the back-end. And if you're a front-end developer, you may find it difficult to see how to bring that capability in. However, with what you're gonna show, being able to use those serverless functions, you, you can take a, a front-end developer and essentially make them full stack and give them that backend power pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, I think that's 100% true. And I, I often joke, I'll say, I, I call myself a full stack developer, but a true full stack might say no, you're a front end. So, it's it's kind <laughs> of one of those things where uh, I never know quite when when you start getting into expertises, right? I would I would consider myself good at a lot of things, back end, front end, but I don't know that I'm an expert in like Angular, or an expert in React, or an expert on back end serverless code. But I know how to do it all. So it's kind of tough and I think you're right. I think it simplifies for a front-end developer or a mobile developer. It, it definitely takes that complexity away and it gets you where you need to be as far as you know database storage or authorization very quickly. And that's the exciting part. When we're taking a look at this, I tried to distill down everything that is in the project along with how to recreate it yourself. So at the very end of of this blog, as we go through it, there's actually a demo site up that you can see the final product as well as a GitHub repo. So all the code that you see us walking through, you can take yourself and reuse it and kind of make it your own. So the idea behind this is actually, and and you can kind of see in this photo I made, it's the, the ability to upload videos and you need to do it securely. And so you don't want just anyone hitting your endpoints, you know, from the public web. What you really want to do is have someone authenticated into your application that can upload these. And the way to do that is Cloudinary provides SDKs, um, both front-end SDKs and back-end. And what we're gonna use in this project is a backend SDK to get the appropriate token for a signed upload capability. And what that does is it's not a public area that you can just drop anything into, it's actually secured so that Joe Schmo on the street can't just dump a video into it. Now, when we walk through this though, I will say that because of the way I wrote it and it's very open, it still has that potential. So just, I wanna warn people before we get too far, if you were to just start this up and run it, it's not secure in the form it's in. So you still need to add your own authorization. The reason I say that is our demo had some videos come out on it that were unfortunate. So I had to uh, block our uploads at this time.
1: (laughs) Well, you've got a secure upload going, but as we'll see you're using the upload widget, so you you probably would yeah, depending on you would often put that behind some kind of firewall.
2: Yeah, we would actually so either an amplifier or whatever product auth 0, Firebase, you name it. You would definitely want to secure the person doing the upload prior to even calling that and then in the back end for that call you would say, is this person authorized to even try to get that Cloudinary piece to it and block them. So we'll walk through that though, for sure. So I just, I'll quickly kind of browse through the the flow to this this blog. So it has kind of building the demo app and you actually start with a React app and then once you have that react app up the cra you can then just add aws amplify just simply by running amplify knit now i will say the the way that we're doing this is through the cli when we do this you will have to have an aws account already and you'll want to make sure that you have your credentials set up
0: so you're using react for this and We have so many developers that are reaching out to us on support in training situations that are trying to wrap their head around Jamstack. And obviously react has a huge part of the Jamstack side of things, since in many ways it's the J of jam being the JavaScript component to it. Why did you choose react? Why didn't you decide to do this? Maybe with Vue or angular or something else.
2: Yeah. So I feel like in the, the community that's out there right now people that are itching to learn and and picking up new tools. React is very easy for an individual to learn. And I wanted to make this example as easy as possible. I strongly believe, and (laughs) I know that state of JS JavaScript came out and there's some supporting thoughts around this, but I think Angular is still very much in enterprise and you'll see a lot of enterprise folks using it. Even though we can talk about the giants like Facebook are using React and Others are using React. I'm not saying just Angular is is being used, but I picked React because I think it's the easiest to get spun up on very easily coming from JavaScript. So if you just know JavaScript, I think it's kind of simple to get into the React world. I will say though, you could use Vue, you could use Angular, you could use Felt, you could actually just use JavaScript too to do all of this. You don't have to be in a framework.
1: So Amplify doesn't require a particular framework. It's agnostic. That's correct, yep.
2: Amplify, you know, if we talk to it in in terms of full stack, Amplify is just the supporting back-end portion. And what it allows for, though, is a configuration file that you'll need for the front-end calls as well. So it it provides, like, tokens and different things that you'll need to call into the API. And that's where the ease of use kind of starts to really become uh, a key factor. When you set up your backend, you often have to like figure out what are my keys? Oh, I need to create a key. It does all of that for you. And it actually provides it back out into a source file.
0: All right. So I'm looking at this right now and you're still in terminal you're still in command line. You're ultimately getting all of this set up directly from there. You haven't really moved away from any of that yet, right?
2: That's correct. We're still kind of flowing through the, the CLI we used create react app to create the base. We're still in amplify creating our initial project. I feel like as we walk through this, maybe it will make more sense to kind of show where we're going to. So I'm going to jump over to this other tab here. So ultimately this is where we're headed and it's to provide just a simple, you know, title description can't type. <laughs> At this point, you would do that. But before we do that, we'd actually upload a video and you would hit browse and you would go out to like something like this and you would click open. I was just going to say, we locked down this preset. So it's it's going to fail for this. But if you do run this tutorial all by yourself, it will work. Trust me. It's just having public things on the web get get a little crazy sometimes. So once that happens, we would hit Add video, and this is the same as every like task list you've ever seen build or grocery list. Is that the kind of mm-hmm. the example app that we always see? Same thing, it's just providing the capability again for this upload f- video or upload image that Cloudinary provides the SDK for, and it just kind of produces those out. And so that's what we're walking through. It's about the simplest thing that you can create, but still have upload capability to Cloudinary. I always want to go back to AWS's console, and I'll walk through this as well, the exact project that we have. So as we're looking through the blog, I'll kind of keep jumping back and forth so there's a little bit of understanding of what's going on here. So when we take a look at this, we can jump into the AWS console here, and I have a couple Amplify projects floating around, but this is the one that we're looking at. And what it's done here, we just created a a basic dev backend. And so a lot of times you'll have many different environments. You'll have dev stage prod is typically the most simple, but you could have many, many different environments. And when we look at this dev resource, it's deploying the front end as well. But what I want to show you first is kind of this backend. So the backend has a couple different categories that are in here, both API and functions. So on AWS, the API for this is a GraphQL API. Their API for GraphQL is called AppSync, if you've ever heard of that. And when we take a look at this, it's done all of this for you. So even though we're just showing kind of a GUI and what's sitting in front of these different things, all of the resources in the backend, Amplify actually created for us using CloudFormation, which is an AWS product for infrastructure as code. And there's a lot of terms I just threw out there that we can dive into any of them, but that's the nice part about Amplify is it's hiding a lot of that complexity for us. So as I kind of look through this, The other key factor here are the functions that were created. This is the main function that we're going to look at here. It's called the Cloudinary signature function, and that's what's calling out to Cloudinary and using their SDK to get uh, a secure token back that you can load uh, videos for. So database layer, let's talk about this. So I actually just used kind of some of the simple examples that are out on Amplify. So let me bring that up. I didn't have that one up here. So let me bring up Amplify docs real quick. So if you ever want to get started outside of just reading this blog post, Amplify uh, docs is where you want to go. And you can get started on any of the different frameworks out here. So you'll notice there are many of the JavaScript frameworks that exist and they have kind of a little getting started for each of them. But this is anytime you have like questions or thoughts, they do a fantastic job of keeping this documentation up to date. So you will see a lot of Amplify is also using React. That's another reason why I chose React over some of the other frameworks or languages out here.
1: And I think it is true when you're working with AWS, you often do go back and forth between CLI and console.
2: Yeah, for sure. It's kind of one of those things where you could, you could do one or both, or, you know, it just depends on how you like setting things up. I talked a little bit in there about infrastructure as code. And what that really means is that in your repository, where all of your code lives, is the definition for your resources that are up in the cloud. And so... As you get into industry further and as you're doing larger projects, that's a must-have because anytime something changes up there, you want to know about it and you want to see what caused that change, Amplify is providing that for us too. And can
0: you speak a little bit about what GraphQL is doing here?
2: Yeah, so GraphQL is just another API. So there's primarily like REST-based APIs and then there's GraphQL and GraphQL provides a more structured version of it. And I'll show you why, there's multiple reasons why we picked it, but I'll show you the main reason why we picked that when we look at the code base.
1: That was a choice you made though, in the CLI though, right? So that you could have chosen REST, but you, because of other considerations chose.
2: Yep, exactly. There's a question right here on the start of this that says, yeah, I'll do GraphQL instead of REST API, but you could go either way. The one big advantage on AppSync and GraphQL in, in AWS specifically, you get a capability to do subscriptions which doesn't exist on the REST API. You would have to build that yourself. What that means is anytime like I'm adding tasks, so if you're building the next JIRA board or Trello board or something like that, and I'm typing in and creating a card, someone else on a different browser would want to see that immediately. And that's the piece that's missing for the REST API. You get that out of the box with the GraphQL API. That's a big one. <laughs> yeah. It's not that you can't do it. It's just a little more work to get it done. So I do break down a lot of this in, in further detail, as we kind of look throughout this for the, the different API calls, but let's start to take a look and just flow through the, the AWS Amplify console a little more. And so what's out here, I want to look at this API. And maybe the best way to do this is kind of to look at the code and then look at the API as we kind of go back and forth a little bit here. So this is the overall prod and you'll notice within here, there's this main source file. This is where a React app was first generated. So it's pretty simple. I mean, it just has this app.js file. I kept it very simple on purpose so that people could read it easily. The other part that you'll notice is there's an entire directory out here for Amplify. And this is the typical directory you'll see anytime Amplify is used. It doesn't explicitly put everything in a directory, you have to create that and put it in there yourself. So it's just a a nice clean directory that you end up with. Now, the main part here that we're going to look at is this API piece. And so when we created that API, we also needed to create a definition for it. The Amplified CLI will give you a, a nice set of choices, whether to pick a simple definition or kind of a a connected version of this where you get multiple DynamoDB tables. So it provides some context in there right off the bat. I actually took all of that out and went a step further and, and really simplified it. So there's only this single API called video and then there's one addition that we'll start to zone in on a little bit, and it's that Cloudinary Signature, which is a Lambda that sits out on AWS within the Amplify space. So those are the kind of the key pieces. What I want to talk about with this app model, whenever you use app model within Amplify, this is a definition for both your API as well as DynamoDB. So it's creating a a table for you and the API definition. So when I flip back over, if I take a look here, video table, maybe I changed this. (laughs) Maybe it appends table, I can't remember. But as we look at this, and AWS has been moving things lately, so just FYI. This usually will direct you right to Dynamo, but because they've updated stuff, I need to go over here and click tables. So when I come out here, what I'm looking for is something called video, and that's this right here. So it's actually created this video table for us. And you'll notice in this video table, there's a couple of extra fields in here, but if I go back to the code, the ones we're interested in are ID name and description, which if I bring up the the demo real quick, this is the title and description right there. I guess I use title instead of name. Sorry for the confusion. <laughs> Never noticed that before. And that's all that we're storing there. The upload video will actually append another URL. So let's take a look at that really quickly here. Here's those fields that we defined in that GraphQL schema for description and name. So when
1: you're using this, you know, DynamoDB, the schema to build the table and the API, is it creating a whole set of APIs for read, update, delete?
2: Oh, yep, absolutely Is is. Let's take a look at that since you bring it up. So the other nice piece on GraphQL, when this all completes, when I click upload to amplify, when that goes up, it actually is going to create this folder for us called GraphQL. And this lives in our front end code. So it's got the definitions to the API calls right here. So if we take a look at a query, query in GraphQL just means basically read or list types. So when we have get video, that's an individual call versus list all the videos. And so the list videos is what we're using to get this display of all the videos that are existing in our database. For actually uploading those, we need to call what's called a mutation. And this threw me off for a while. I I am not an expert on GraphQL, but I use it a lot now. (laughs) So it's one of those things. I I still, I talk to individuals about becoming a broken comb instead of T-shaped. I don't know if you guys know this term. Should we dive down this rabbit hole for a second? For sure. So, the T shape, you always want to have a good breadth of knowledge, but at least one really good depth of knowledge. However, these days it seemed more like a broken comb. So, you have kind of these different levels. So, you have multiple different depths that you can go down. And by doing that, like, if I'm not a GraphQL expert, but I can still use it, um, would I call myself an expert in React, it, it kind of, it snowballs. Like You have to kind of pick one thing you're really good at, but you could be decent at a lot of things and then just know about stuff. That's the top layer, just knowing about stuff.
1: I've come to the conclusion that you need to be good at being able to become good at something, yes. something new because things change yes. so much.
2: I think that's like number one key, right? So back to, sorry, a little rabbit hole there we went down, but back to the (laughs) mutation side of this. So we went through the query where you can read. We also need the capability to write to our database and create that video. We're not doing any updates, but we could do an update where the description was incorrect, so we would want to update it, and then, of course, delete. So it's kind of the CUD and CRUD. The, the reads are a lot of the query side of this.
1: Now, is the ID, are you assigning that ID? Is that like the public ID from Cloudinary, or is that so, a...
2: In this instance, Amplify, and depending on how deep you want to go on this, Amplify actually creates this ID. It's part of the resolvers that get created. So let's kind of go through this a little bit and we'll see how far you want to take it. So I've actually brought up another project because I, I haven't built that example in a little while, but this kind of shows off when we do a deploy out to AWS on the cloud. What you actually get is a compiled version of all of the definitions. So let's say this schema.graphql, for this example, it's the basic example of blog post comment. And when we actually compile what this creates, there's several things that happen for CloudFormation to be able to use it. So you end up with a, a build file and this is technically all of the ways that AWS understands what it has to create. So if I look at this schema GraphQL that was actually built, here are all the different types being created. And this is, again, this is the power of Amplify. It's creating and doing all of this for us just based on this very simple file. And so what we were talking about a little bit, whereas the queries and the mutations and things like that, When we sit in GraphQL or AppSync, it needs resolvers. And Becky's question was about IDs. And what I want to look at in these resolvers, there's a request and a result that come out. Those are kind of the ins and outs of each call within a GraphQL. So here's the GraphQL creation. And so the example for ID and the reason that we see created at and updated at and things like that, in our Dynamo database. So here's created at, updated at in our example. Those are defined on the fly within AppSync. They're not necessarily, Dynamo doesn't care because Dynamo is just document-based. It doesn't have a schema necessarily. It just has a primary key, secondary key, and you can create global indexes. But AppSync is taking care of some of this for you because Amplify told it to. Or Amplify created a resolver that told it to. And so that's where this comes into play on creation. And these can get very lengthy. And the power of Amplify allows you to also extend these as well. So I could actually say, no, I don't want the one that Amplify created. I'll create another one and use that one instead. And that gets into like, sometimes you need authentication issues or something else that you might do that Amplify doesn't do just out of the box.
1: So if you were wanting to write your own GraphQL, you'd be having to write Amplify. up some of this kind of uh, configuration yourself. Absolutely.
2: Yep. You'd have to write all of this from scratch.
0: And so then looking at this, Alex, at mm-hmm. this point, is the front end connected to Amplify at this point or uh, not? Like, am, am, I, I mean, am I missing any steps?
2: Not at this point. So, I mean, yes, not at this point. So we're talking through all the, the back end pieces and that creation of our back end, And then once we finally get deployed, that's where the connection comes into play. Okay. So actually I'm going to use this sample project since you brought that up just to look at that too, because I don't believe I just pulled our project that we're walking through from the repo and I haven't built it in a long time. So let me take. And show you. So, what happens at the very end of a deployment like that? You will end up with this GraphQL, that connection that we walked through before. It has all of the queries and mutations and things like that. You will also end up with this AWS exports file. Now, this becomes our connection from the front end to the back end. So, this is The GraphQL endpoint that you will hit, it has that it's API key based. Here's our API key. Because this is just another example sitting out there, it's not secured the way I would normally do it either. So you can actually hit either of these APIs just the way they are. The funny thing is, I think when they first built Amplify, it was very mobile focused. So you'll see a lot of things like this, AWS mobile. And it's like, wait a minute, I'm writing okay. front end code.
0: <laughs> no, but it, it makes sense because in a lot of cases, that's something that mobile developers were always missing, be some of yep. these things that ultimately Amplify provide yeah and you
2: actually choose when you're going through the cli what you're writing it for so it will detect to a degree and it'll say oh are you in a react application yes i am and it knows where to put it then in your source folder it does that for the mobile side too it knows oh you're in an ios application it needs to go here and so it it makes that connection and, and helps you on that too Let's kind of talk a minute. Becky, we were talking a little bit further on kind of that schema that we had created and we talked about description and name, but we also wanna talk about how the Cloudinary piece comes into all of this. And in this example, I actually have a Cloudinary object that is sitting in here. So it has the signature and everything about the video and where it's stored and things like that. So this is actually the connection and you'll notice I do not have this described in my schema the way I should. So there should be another piece to this out here. And I think because I wasn't gonna use it or create it at that time, we'll talk about the Lambda function that the Cloudinary signature goes through and updates. Let's talk a minute about the Cloudinary upload. So this Cloudinary upload, when you're using it, I'll take a look at the code and I'll show it to you. So when we go to call that, what we're using is what's called the create upload widget, it's a JavaScript based widget. I basically just have to say, here's my cloud name and then an upload preset in Cloudinary and you guys could probably talk to this even better than <laughs> I, but this is kind of just a, a predefined way of dealing with your uploads. So it has security around it it has if you want to transform and what i mean by transform is take our video could be an mp4 and it would change it out to a webm format or a hls format you know multiple different things that could happen throughout that process by giving that that's what's providing our security and so When we click upload, it's just like any other upload you would do on the web. It's going to take your local file and start to load that. The catch on ours is that we needed this signature to make it more secure. So that fetch Cloudinary signature is also part of our API function called Cloudinary signature. So I've fetched Cloudinary signature is this function. I call the GraphQL API called Cloudinary signature and I pass it the values that we need to pass, which are mainly this upload preset. And so at that time, let's flip back into the console. When we come back out here, this API also understands that we have this Cloudinary signature Lambda. If you're on a different platform, a Lambda is basically a function that sits out there. And in this case, it's a Node.js function. If you're on Google, that's a cloud function. I can never remember Azure's, but it's a type of function as well. Most commonly used for microservices or other type of quickly run applications. So let's see if this one actually works. And it's called Cloudinary Signature again that dash dev comes from our environment that we're working out of in amplify
1: the things that i can see is that you mentioned that you're using a preset and The presets come in kind of two flavors, signed and unsigned, and you're Mm -hmm. using a signed preset for the security reason. And so you need to get a signature in order to kind of validate it, I think.
2: So when you use a signed preset, in order to call back to that, Cloudinary either needs a, a token on the end of your call so that it can verify that it's okay with it, or even a step further than that, and what we're using on Coding Cat Dev, is we're sitting behind our own CDN and it's cookie-based. So we can authenticate a a user and provide them a cookie the same way that we're using the token-based here. And that way, they are good to access whatever we've determined that they can get access to on Cloudinary based on that cookie. Let's talk through the code on this one. So at this point, We have our Lambda, there's monitoring. The way that this gets hit is through AppSync. And maybe it makes sense, let's touch that really quick. Let's take a peek at AppSync and how that relates. So again, AppSync is that GraphQL piece to this. Here's our Amplify Jamstack Cloud Dev. This is our overall AppSync GraphQL API. The schema for it, again, this is that created schema for us. This is that monster one. There's also data sources. So you notice the video table one is DynamoDB. So that was our first source and where we're storing things back to. The other source for us is this AWS Lambda that we're gonna take a look at. And so it's just an endpoint out here that you can hit with an API. Simplest way of thinking of it. So the code for that is up here again in amplify and it's under function cloudinary signature and then the source of just this lambda sits within here and it's described back out and so there's actually cli commands that you can say i need a new lambda function created and it will create this whole structure for you and it also creates any of like the key values that you might need to test with, and it creates the cloud formation. And we could go down this road if you want at some point, but cloud formation is basically the language that AWS understands how to build its resources from. Hmm. So we'll dive into the code now. It's fairly simple at this point. From Cloudinary, I can't open my console because it's got too many secrets floating around on it. (laughs) Unfortunately, I could probably show you the main page, but within Cloudinary, there is your cloud name, API key, and the the piece that I couldn't show you would be API secret. And what we're doing in our Lambda function is we actually store these values on the Lambda. Let me go in back into the Lambda. I'm going to open a new tab this time because we might Bounce back and forth a few times. So I'm going to go to Cloudinary Dev. I'm actually not going to scroll too far because I think my secrets are open. Maybe a no-no, everyone. You might want to hide those a little better is this than your I have.
1: Environment variables. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll show you that there one. We go. The key is okay. <laughs> there
2: you go. Yeah, I'll good show strategic you line yeah. hiding. So there's, they're all out here in your Lambda and your environment variables. And that's where this process environment environment variable gets picked up from. So what you should do, which I did not do on this for your API secret. What you really want to do is store that in like a secure store encryption so people can't get to it and you don't see it in log files. And then basically we take those keys, we run it on the, so this is the Cloudinary SDK, it's their version two. You install that with NPM and your node package, it's going to be described right here. Here's the only requirement we have in that Lambda. And then... The handler is what gets executed first. It, it gets hit by the Lambda call from the API. We have some messaging just so that you can understand you know, what that API call looks like. And then this, if you didn't update those environment variables correctly, we just kick back an error message. And then at that point, we call over to Cloudinary to sign our parameters. So if you remember back, in our app.js, So we have this call. Here's our parameters that we're passing. And all those are the main key to that is this upload preset. And when we come over here, we have that upload preset along with kind of our API secret. And we hit Cloudinary using their API. And when it comes back, it actually has this signature for us. And we pass that signature back. This is a synchronous call. And we just do JSON stringify and that actually ends up passing the entire thing back to us that we can use in this upload signature call. And once it has that, it's like, okay, we're good. You can upload, you're allowed to upload because you have the correct token and timing based on it. And that's kind of the whole roundabout view to
0: it. Well, one thing that I'm curious about, because we've talked a little bit about upload presets at this point, and we also alluded to the fact there's just a lot you can do with upload presets Yes. So ultimately yes, it's a way that you're passing the signature through as we've talked about, is there any other params that are kind of hidden behind that upload preset? Are you putting things into specific folders? Are you changing things to a specific format? What else is that preset doing?
2: Yeah. So in this instance, we're not doing a whole lot with it, but on Coding Cat, we are doing a whole lot with it. We actually put it into a secured folder. And when we have that secured folder, you have to be, again, authenticated. It's that whole cookie mechanism. If you have the cookie, you can access that folder. We're also doing all those transformations. And you can do some fun transformations too. Like if, I think I wrote an application... I don't know, it's been, it's been a good year or two since I wrote it, but it was like silly faces. So Cloudinary does uh, cool face detection automatically and you can do all kinds of like rotation on the fly and, and things like that for images. But in this instance, we're not doing anything with it other than uploading it to a, a certain folder. That's probably the full thought process as far as upload the only thing that we we have left after we've uploaded that video is how to show them and at this point in the application the way that we're doing that is basically utilizing this videos call i i never got to the point where we were actually utilizing that websocket piece to it the subscription so i want to at least show you and maybe for others that are out there this is kind of that that bonus credit, if you will, that the teacher gives you at at the end of your course. If you do the, the subscription call, you'll get the extra credits. So those are down here in our definition. And right now, all we can do when the page loads is go fetch the current videos and list them out. What would be ideal again is say, either of you are uploading a video, I wanna see it right away. And so, The cool thing, again, about Amplify is AppSync has built-in subscription capability. It's already defined those subscriptions for us. So as soon as a video is created and you create a new entry in that table, it would have known about it. And in our application, we would just set our video list updated to the most recent version of the listing.
0: So then looking at all of this, because we've now walked through basically all the steps other than deployment, pushing this thing live in some way. How do you ultimately do that? I feel like from what I understand about Amplify, they have a way for you to ultimately use some form of hosting.
2: Absolutely. So I haven't deployed this in a while. And if we want to to do some editing, uh, we, <laughs> could, we, we could probably get through it and fight to show you how this is deployed.
1: It looks like you do a build step that you've done here. Yeah, so... Some I'll, testing you would do there and then...
2: I'll jump back to the blog and I'll actually show you this on our sample just because I know the upload process will work. So we actually have this Amplify Jamstack, but I also have this other application that we're just messing around with on that live demo. And I can actually show you how this deployment works. So I'm gonna jump into this Amplify example. So here's everything that Amplify knows and and can do. And the way that you can push directly to the cloud to deploy it is just this push command.
1: Kind of like a GitHub command, we know.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and they actually, they very strategically tried to leave it with the very similar commands as GitHub because as you're in different environments and working with team members, when you're doing that, you'll want to be on like a dev branch and do a git pull. Well, you'll also wanna do an amplify pull so you have the correct backend too. So it's very, very closely related to GitHub as you're working through that. I don't know that I have the full front end hosting on here but normally you would actually see when you do amplify push. Ah, that's cause I didn't change anything. Let's change something real quick and see how this goes. So let's put an Alex thing on this post. So now it's picking up that there is a change available and we're gonna continue. And what happens here, because all of these other files, so this GraphQL, like all of these are generated when you do this push, it's, it's just asking, do you want to update all of the backend files? Yes. Do you want to overwrite all of these mutations just in case you've created some and you don't want them wiped out? And all of that is now creating the CloudFormation pieces that are required to build a project. So you see mm-hmm. CloudFormation kicking in and you have all of these messages coming up. The other way you can watch this is out here, this create in progress. You can watch this happen directly through this. Another way is to go out to the CloudFormation product itself, and you can start to see like what's happening right now, what's active, and what's going on. And you can look at the resources that are being created coming out of it. So. Like I said, cloud formation could be a whole podcast in itself. There, Seriously. There are individuals that are masters. I would not call myself even close to that. And I think that, again, it's the power of Amplify there. I don't have to be a master of cloud formation to figure it out. Now, there are some complex things you can do, and that I have done just by extending this portion of Amplify and what it provides. There's a whole nother layer there. At the end of this, once your backend completely builds, it would actually push the front end out. So this Jamstack Cloud, the front end piece to this, just like a normal like React app, Angular app, it will do another build step within there. And then when you deploy it, it's actually able to deploy out to this domain that they host for you. So you don't, again, you don't have to worry about certificates. You don't have to worry about creating your own domain name, although you can back it with a domain name as well. What I would highly suggest is if this is not a project, that's just a play around project, or you're going to throw it away. like the, these two examples kind of are, it's not like I'm delivering this to a client or anything. What I would recommend is actually tying this to CI/CD pipeline. And during that, you can set up different webhooks and things like that. Oh, I do want to call this out since I have it open. This is brand new. It released during AWS reInvent. It's called the Amplify Admin UI. So everything that we've been talking about, we did through the CLI and code. This will actually do it completely in a UI. It will take all of your data modeling and all of that stuff that we kind of did in the, the code side of this You can do that out there, and at the end of it, you can actually say, okay, I'm ready. And you can do this without a AWS user account. You can run this whole thing. At the very end, if you're happy with it, you can actually then pull it down and start a complete Amplify project. It's almost like taking all of these parts that are somewhat complex with modeling and connections and things like that, and it's just a UI. So you can click and drag and all of a sudden you have all of this build out and you're like, okay, I, I think that's exactly where we need to head. And you, you throw it up and you have all of this done. It's incredible. It's just another way to start even faster in my opinion. What you would normally do on the dev branch, you would connect dev branch to the dev environment out here and link those two together. And that way it's got a hook in there every time you would commit to it. It would pull that in. It would run your backend amplified build, and then it would run your front end and deploy it completely out to that URL.
1: So they've kind of set up the DevOps portion for you by making it easy to kick off a build
2: Yep, exactly. And the nice part is you could also use, you know, GitHub Actions to throw together all of your testing and everything like that, and then finally complete that end of the the thought process, the deploy. Essentially, there are a few things you have to be careful about in there, you know, timing wise for a front end. If your back end is building, you know, it could throw things off a little bit. But that's the case with any back end. If you're changing an API and not just kind of moving it forward or deprecating, you always have that concern. But uh, the way that, again, you can do that same thing on the, the CLI and this finally finished up, this will also deploy your front end if you have it fully set up too.
1: So it's doing kind of the static site generation for you there?
2: Yeah. I don't know if I have the full build in here, unfortunately. So yes, it would normally create that deploy bundle and then load that to your static site. Yep.
0: Now that we've seen exactly how we would go about doing something like this with Amplify, Mm -hmm. I know that you had alluded to something that you're doing for Coding Cat where you're utilizing Firebase, but with very similar functionality use cases. Are we able to explore some of that?
2: Yeah, let's dive into it a little bit. <clears throat> we, we looked through Amplify and a good way to call Amplify functions and grab everything that we need for Cloudinary tokens. We're actually doing a very similar thing for Coding Cat and Coding Cat is, however, running off of Firebase and using Firestore and Cloud Functions.
0: So because you have all this experience working with Amplify, working with Firebase, is there any situations where you've said one has not necessarily better, but like ultimately things that are better for a certain maybe type of developer or a certain type of project before we start diving into the guts of what you're doing for Coding Cat? I,
2: I think both have pros and cons, right? I, I would say at this point, feature base. if we were to compare the two, they both are very, very similar. The one thing that I think is still setting Firebase a little bit, setting it up differently, not maybe not better. So Firebase kind of gets a bad rap for being more closed source, if you will. And the database over there is actually what they call backend as a service. And so... What that means is the whole database is essentially hosted and your API, when we talked about Amplify and we have this AppSync API, it's actually built into the SDKs. So Google has a Firebase database, real-time database, and they also have Firebase Firestore. And Firestore is kind of the newer flavor of this. And Firebase real-time Database is JSON-based, whereas Firestore is document-based, but it scales ridiculously. Like, it's very similar to Dynamo in that context. However, Dynamo, you have to set, like, key indexes and secondary indexes. Firestore, it's a lot more decoupled from that. You can set indexes and you have to insert instances. However, where Firestore and Dynamo Database are separated, Dynamo is not necessarily a backend as a service through a SDK. You have to have an API layer over that to call it from the web. And when I say you have to, you could obviously create your own methodology to access Dynamo and things like that. There is a thing called data store now within the Amplify world. And that actually does a lot of that for you. So it'll do offline access it still needs to go through AppSync to get through that API layer. On Firebase, that is directly built into your SDK, and you have to make sure that your database has security rules, not necessarily your API. And so that's probably the key thing to keep in mind when comparing the two products. They both have authentication, somewhat prefer, and probably because I grew up in it, I guess I, I prefer Firebase's authentication still to Cognito, which is Amazon's version of authentication. We should do another one to compare features on, on both sides of this. Cause I could probably go for hours, but that's probably the key differences there.
0: And so what it basically seems to me is like, this isn't as like distinctly different as like vanilla or chocolate as an example, but like, ultimately it might be like a variant, like, do you like Dutch chocolate or dark chocolate? You're going to get the same result in many ways. It's just, do you prefer X versus Y? So in many ways, you're going to get a lot of the same results, a lot of the same benefits, regardless if you use Amplify or Firebase, if I understand it from a very high level.
2: Yeah. From a high level, it's it's very, very similar. There's nuances, right? You, you have to fight through those and figure those out. Both products have come a long ways, especially Amplify. Like you said, it, it's newer to the game, but they're putting a ton of resources behind it. That's why I'm really excited about it and to see where it kind of continues to grow. The team over at Firebase, they're fantastic to work with. We have a lot of stuff going on in the Alpha program as well. So Again, exciting things. It's a great time to be in front-end web development.
1: Connecting with Cloudinary for both of them, I assume it would be similar. You'd be using a serverless function. Yep, I'll walk through how we're
2: we're doing this on CodingCat right now. This is all still pretty rough. So we have kind of the admin side to it. This is in React. We're actually using Next.js for both our admin page and then our new main site. And what I'm gonna walk through is essentially how we set up. So like these courses that we have out here, all the images on here, as you see them load, these are all coming from Cloudinary and they're actually used on our Cloudinary CDN. So our CDN is media.codingcat.dev. And that actually is a CNAME that sits in front of a Cloudinary CDN. And the reason we have that is when we go to courses and come in here, you'll actually see this, which was really quick, but it it popped through. So this is actually protected content and you have to be logged in, but you actually could not use this URL anywhere but on CodingCat hitting media.codingcat.dev. So I'm sure if I cleared my cookies, that would not have shown up, It, it would be protected still. That's kind of the process I'm going to walk through and I'll show you. It's very similar for that sample application that we were working with. It's just much larger application that it's in.
1: I think one of the hardest things for me in learning about Jamstack is the cookies versus local storage authentication. Because if you're oh. a full stack dev, you're going to want to be saving cookies. But if you're a front-end dev, you're going to be wanting to put things in local storage? Well, I, I would actually say
2: you have to be careful because local storage can go across all domains, oh. whereas a cookie it has to remain on the domain that it's used for. So I always caution people whether they're using any of the, the uh, browser-based databases or local storage, you have to remember that, like. You can get at that from different websites and it's a security concern for sure. So let's walk through this a little bit. So in our backend, what we're going to create a new course and we'll call it the dev jams course. So once our dev jams course is created, we're actually using MDX and markdown to create all of our course content. But as we get in here, when I go to upload either a photo cover, which is this, this is our photo cover or a video, which is kind of coming out here. We're doing that again and why that sample was so useful. We're using that same SDK that we're using for the example. I can browse out uh, and grab a, let's see if I have, sure. Let's just grab that Crispus Cardio. So this could be our course. <laughs> So now we've just used one type of preset, and this is called our image preset. And what we're doing with that image preset is taking and putting that in our images folder, as well as creating WebP. We create different sizing requirements based on the cards that we're calling out. So we actually use Next.js image on the front end to get all the different sizing capability too. And then the video cover, it works identically. We, we do the upload here and the same kind of rationale that, that we we're using. If we go back to the code, we actually have, these are on Firebase. It also has something that's called HTTPS triggers. And the cool thing about these and why the authentication piece comes into play out of the box, I can already tell this call that I know who is calling it. So it has this whole post authentication that I don't have to write myself and it can say, oh, cool, so Alex is in here. Is Alex a okay user to go out and get a Cloudinary token for? If you're not anyone that's allowed in this backend area and you try hitting this, it'll say, nope, not gonna give you a token today, sorry. and There's two sides to this. We're actually over to this cookie token. So very similar call to Cloudinary. So this is the Cloudinary SDK, and we're generating a auth token. And in our case, we actually have some additional things going on here. It's saying that only items that are in this folder are allowed to be used by this cookie that is passed back that we store off in our browser. Hmm. So very similar versus a Lambda call. This is a a cloud function that runs based on a HTTPS trigger instead of an app sync call directly to that Lambda.
1: It's really interesting to see the same kind of functionality implemented in two very different places.
2: Yeah, I often have thoughts of showing the Azure version, but I don't know that my capacity can keep going cloud after cloud after cloud. (laughs) So we're going to stick with Google and and AWS for now. We'll let others handle Azure until we can bring on some more authors to handle that part.
0: People can see part of the projects. We've shown different ways to ultimately accomplish very similar goals with Amplify, with Firebase. Mm -hmm. Where else do you feel like they should be going to learn more about this? Because maybe we've basically given them a good taste of what they can do. Where can they dive deeper or where do you suggest that they get started with more details?
2: So I would definitely go to the Amplify docs, make sure to, to check those out. You also should check out. So this is the community for Amplify, but there, there it is. So there's their discord too. Their Discord's amazing. You have direct access to people working at AWS on the Amplify team. That part's huge. I'm a huge person for promoting community-based structure around projects, and this is the best way to do it. For Firebase, you can start out directly at the firebase.com link, and you can get started from here. There's a ton of resources.
0: And then of course, to keep up with everything that you're doing, Alex, I mean, we've talked about Coding Cat and whatnot. Is that the best way for people to be able to see everything that you're doing in terms of new development, new projects?
2: Yeah, Coding Cat's a great start to check out what we're doing, but we also have a YouTube channel, just switch this over to Coding Cat. So it's youtube.com slash C for the channel slash CodingCatDev. We'll get you directly to that channel. And the cool thing, if you're on our YouTube channel, there is a ton of live coding that we're doing and podcasts that we're producing each week. We also put all of our free lessons, which we hope to have a good balance of both. Currently, everything that we show off is free out there. So that's one way we are trying to break into the Twitch space, which has become challenging. I hope that by the time you guys see this video, maybe we, we've gotten a little further, but twitch.tv slash CodingCatDev. We also do live streams at the same time out here too. So those are probably the best places to find our content. And then Twitter is is always a fantastic spot to come out and find us, and that is twitter.com slash coding cat dev.
0: Well, Alex, it's been a pleasure talking with you today. So thank you for showing all of these details and of course, keep doing what you're doing.
2: Thanks so much. I really appreciate it, Becky and Sam, you are fantastic. Keep up the great work.
0: Well, Becky, we have an hour of talking with Alex about his project. And I think we could have even gone deeper if we really wanted to, but I will say this was a great taste of how to use this amazing tool, AWS Amplify, with Cloudinary and develop something really, really special with it.
1: What was real interesting was that we were able to build this app using the CLI, essentially answering questions. If you go in knowing what you want, if you're the type of developer who's who's more interested in the app and in working with your clients, and you know what you want to build, you really just need to make the choices, and if you know your data, you can create your schema, you can roll out a GraphQL, you know, API, all with just a few answers to CLI questions. And then at the end, he also mentioned that there's now a UI, an admin UI where you can go in and and do the same kind of things you were doing with CLI. So I I see the world of development really kind of changing and maybe in a good way for a front-end developer because then you can just come in with your React app, plug it in, you've got your authentication, you've got your GraphQL, RESTful API, whatever you choose. And you've got a place to build and deploy. And so all of those kind of infrastructural things are now handled for you.
0: It's great. And you actually touched on everything that I wanted to
1: say, which is wonderful. (laughs) because,
0: (laughs) Because you are right. That AWS Amplify, what it seems like to me, and I think Alex also said this in the episode, is that if you are someone that... Is trying to make sense of things that you understand about the back end, but you have worked mostly in front end development, maybe also only worked in mobile focused development, then this is a great way to kind of tip your toe into the water or be able to try developing something that truly is full stack, but do it in a way where you're guided, as you're pointing out with like the CLI, it takes you down the right path when you're saying, do you want to use a rest API? Do you want to use GraphQL?" Is it helping you make those decisions along the way. So that way you're not sitting there trying to figure out how to do all this if you've never, ever done this before. So I think what AWS has done is very, very smart to be able to develop a tool like Amplify and make it easy for more full-stack development to take place.
1: Yeah, and, and I think, too, we got a real bonus having Alex tell us about it because, for example, he could answer a question like, why should I choose GraphQL over a REST API? And he tells us, you know, because you can subscribe to it so you can get updates as the data changes real time, you can subscribe to it. So all these things that, you know, we're all operating on different levels and different languages and frameworks, you know, but there are some concepts that come together and he does a, a good job of calling those out.
0: And the other thing you mentioned this and it is where we are seeing development change is that and Cloudinary is kind of <laughs> saying the same thing as what you're seeing AWS say is that If you have robust APIs, we also offer a CLI. We also allow you to do things through our UI or doing GUI based commands. So it is where if you are a developer that has done things primarily with one or two of those types of tools, know that the companies that you're working with probably are developing things that are going to be more UI based or CLI based or API based and to try all of them because you may end up liking the mix that they provide because it allows you to do more and more things with that service. So whether it's AWS or Cloudinary or somebody else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, we've seen kind of the evolution of the API, the SDK, and now we're moving into you know using the CLI or GUI to actually do all of our configuration. Often it's just sort of repetitive kinds of work that you know you once you've solved the problem you pretty much always solve it that way so why spin out a bunch of code.
0: And I think the other thing that stood out to me ever since we even just talked to Hannah in the first episode it is where I'm seeing more and more developers need to know React because it is an extremely important JavaScript library. It's getting utilized more and more in projects. Most of the tutorials we see getting utilized where people are just saying how to use Cloudinary with something. They are using React in many ways. So it just shows that if you haven't done the time to attempt something with React, this is a good time to do it because the train is taking off and more and more work is being done with this specific library.
1: I think a lot of developers are are liking React because it is not opinionated. It leaves open a lot for the developer to figure out and and maybe do something even innovative or different. And then the fact that we're all really just trying to spin out some HTML, CSS, JavaScript. So bottom line, (laughs) that's what we want to do. React makes that pretty easy. They give you a number of ways to do that. So you're right. And we see it in this episode just plug it in to this whole big cloud back end and it just works seamlessly. Once everybody's using it, it's getting a lot of use. It's like being tested every day, you know, Yeah. find problems, they get fixed quickly. So that's nice.
0: Yeah. That's a really, it's almost where because of the usage, you know, that you're buying something that's not buying it, but you're investing in something that's tried and true. You understand that if you need help, there's a community of people that are available to help you out including people like Alex. So that's wonderful. So for all of you that have stuck around to the very end of this, thank you. A few things for you to know is that we would love it, of course, if you're watching this on YouTube or if you're just listening to this on Spotify or Apple Music or other places that you can listen to podcasts. Make sure you're taking the time to like the content, subscribe to the content. So that way when you know when new Dub Jam episodes are happening. It always helps us a lot to make sure that we are constantly talking to our growing audience. Also, one thing to note is that if you share this episode on any of the channels, but through your social media, whether you're using Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn or something else that's cool that I'm not mentioning, send us a link and let us know about that. You can just simply send a link over to our support team, support at cladinary.com, And then from there, what will commonly happen is that they will increase your Cloudinary plan credit by one credit. That helps you when you need to have a little bit more wiggle room for bandwidth or storage or overall transformations. And it's our way of thanking you for taking the time to consume Cladinary content and be part of this overall journey with us producing podcasts, teaching you some of the ways to better develop and optimize your overall projects. Becky, is there anything else to point out to our audience before we let them go?
1: Uh, No, except that there are other episodes coming. Uh, We've taped other episodes and there's some really good ones. So stay tuned.
0: Absolutely. Very good point. So stay tuned for the next one, everybody. And we'll see you soon.